Welcome to the Plug Podcast, booty friends. I'm your host, Luna Matadas. I'm a sex and pleasure educator who just can't get enough of talking about booty pleasure. I love hosting these conversations on the Plug Podcast, and in this episode, we are talking about booty health and beauty. The plug is made possible by B-Vibe. B-Vibe is out there in the world making sure our buttholes have safe, high quality, and deliciously innovative sex toys. B-Vibe's products satisfy beginner booty holes as well as the well-used holes of us butt sluts. I'm so looking forward to this episode all about anal sexual health and butthole beauty. It's a topic that touches on how we feel about our bodies and how we care for our bodies in our sexual experiences. Our fabulous guest on this episode is Dr. Evan Goldstein. Dr. Goldstein is the founder and CEO of Bespoke Surgical and the co-founder of Future Method. As the pre- eminent expert and thought leader in the field of sexual health and wellness, Dr. Goldstein is committed to education and awareness, not only bringing important issues surrounding gay sexual health to the forefront, but also eliminating the stigmas attached to it. Relating to a wider audience, Dr. Goldstein leaves the medical jargon behind and communicates in a straightforward, direct manner, breaking down taboos and allowing for more conversational and open discussions with the aim to educate. So let's dig into Booty Beauty and Care with Dr. Goldstein. Okay. Oh my gosh. Dr. Goldstein, <laughs> I, I I was just fangirling you, and so now we, we can have it on air. That I, I have really loved listening to you broaden people's understanding of what anal pleasure is, around what anal care might be, and also around, you know, really using your position as a, a medical provider to, to add knowledge, wisdom, insight into this topic where most people are finding out about it through experience or porn or, you know, poor internet blogs. And, and so your voice has been, you know, really wonderful in helping me shape a lot of conversations. And I think the first time I, I heard you speak was, I think it was on a podcast. I can't remember whose podcast. And I was just, I started Googling you and fangirling you. And so I'm really excited to, to have you here. So thank you so much for joining us on The Plug. No, no, thank you. Thank you. I, I can't wait to answer all the questions that you have. Yes, yes. And you're so great at, at really breaking down um, anal pleasure anatomy and, and really helping us understand, you know, how the body works. And so I'd love to know how you got into a more educational perspective from, from your work in as a medical provider. So how did those two kind of come together for you? I think more because I was born into a household with two teachers. Um, and, you know, that in and of itself lent me to always being someone to say, okay, well, how do we educate? And, and that I think to me is a role that has been very dismissive in the medical community for a while. I mean, I think that the goal was always to not only fix, um, but to educate um, and to try to create a space where people had enough education to try to minimize the issues that may arise. And and I also realized very early on that practitioners are not very comfortable talking about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether you go to a primary care physician and, you know, they go over your history, the sexual history is usually very, very minimal, if at all. And most people don't want to offer up a lot. So you need some element of coaching and discussing to say, hey, you know, like, What's going on, and what uh, you know? What are you happy with? What are you not happy with? And and I, I remember asking 
uh, a client of mine not recently uh, to say, hey, are you happy with all of sex? And mm. the, the, he, he started like tearing up. He'd be like, God, I've been to so many people and nobody has ever asked me, am I happy? And then you're able to break that down and say, okay, well, now we do have access to care that can fix certain things and things shouldn't be painful and bleeding in anal sex is not appropriate. And uh, how do we now kind of look at the mental space of what people want sexually and pair it with the body, the form to say, hey, okay, great. Let's put those two together to make it accessible. Life is too short to not get what you want, especially on the sexual space. And how do we now just make sure that you have access to that care? And I think the reality is, is if I'm doing my job as an educator, people shouldn't necessarily need to come to my office because the reality is, is that they're out there enjoying their space and doing things the right way. And then that we can now focus more on the people where things do happen. And how do I now get people into a space functionally and then also aesthetically so that people do feel sexy and comfortable in their own ass, I would say. <laughs> I love that. Comfortable in your own ass. That's beautiful. And what a beautiful question you ask people about, you know, are you happy sexually? I don't think I have ever had that experience in a in a physician's office. I think usually I if I talk about sex, I end up leaving feeling sort of shamed or judged or oh, you should be monogamous or you should do this thing or you know, like as this if the, as if there's expectations that I'm not fulfilling by being the way that that I am. And I think having providers like you who are are like, well, what are your standards for happiness? You know, what 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 matters to you and what's happening for you? That's something that would be amazing to see in um, every practitioner's office and, and anyone anyone comes into contact with for their health to to really see that question come up as part of shaping their health outcomes. That'd be amazing. And I also think, though, that the job that you're doing and what I'm trying to do is to educate people that they should be choosing practitioners that do do that. Right. And mm -hmm. that that that, you know, that when you go out there looking for new people to take care of you, that you need to be interviewing them as well. You know, back in the day of the doctor, the holy grail, that's fucking bullshit. You know, you have to guide your own care. And by you doing what you do on the podcast and people listening, you now start to say, hey, OK, yes, sex is important to me. Yes, anal sex is important to me. Do you as a physician take care of people like me? What do you do? You know, how do you approach sexual history? Um, and, and again, you're able to within two seconds really start to see if there's the shame component to this. Um, and then you say bye bye. You know, life again is is not about shaming. It's not about creating taboo. It's about saying, and especially as a physician and a surgeon, it's about saying, hey, what are your issues? Listen to those issues, and how can I go about solving them? And I may not be able to provide the surgical care, but if I am doing a good job, I know the person that can. And you, and I, again, and I say that all the time, you as a proctologist, you don't necessarily need to understand the aesthetics of anal, but the reality is that if you get to the point where you're like, hey, look, I can't help you, but Evan can, or this person can, it now allows for people 
access to the care that they need worldwide. And that's just limiting uh, everybody. And, and it sucks. And that's the whole point of what I go going back to the education, which was by me being on podcasts and me writing all the time, it's hopefully educating the masses to start asking the right questions um, and then also start performing in the right way. I love that. And 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 I think even the amount of, of education in so many different formats that, that you put out makes it really accessible. So even before people get to a provider, they can read up stuff, they can have the language, they can know how to guide their care. I love that that messaging for people. And what kinds of, and we'll put the links to, to all your um, blogs and all of your wonderful places where people can learn from you in our show notes as well. And what kinds of issues are, are people coming to you for? So who do you see in, in your office? Sure. So I see anybody that has an ass. So that opens up the world. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, but I see a lot of people that are having issues with anal, whether it's pain with bowel movements, whether it's bleeding, whether it's, you know, I can't uh, receive my partner comfortably or I'm trying to get bigger and doing either double penetration or fisting or bigger toys. And there's limitations. Now, the number one thing that I see is what's called an anal fissure, which is a tear. Mm. Okay. You know, the ass itself, and it goes back to the anatomy, and I know you you fangirled me, which I appreciate. Um, uh, but with that being said, anal anatomy is not overtly complicated. It's basically two things. It's skin and it's muscle. Does the muscle fully relax? Does the skin accommodate. And when I say accommodate, I usually equate it to thinking of like an accordion. You know, if you're playing the accordion and it opens and it closes, well, it's the same component of the ass. We have wrinkles on the ass. Everybody does. And those wrinkles are the accordion. And there are many times where you are opening the accordion and all of a sudden, whether it's through shitting, whether it's through sex, whether it's through toys, it goes beyond its capacity and then the skin splits and you get what's called an anal fissure. They're fucking painful. You bleed. It's really not pleasant. Um, and they can happen from either the skin not fully opening or the muscle not fully relaxing. That's it. Or a combination of the two. And so when people come to me, a lot of people are coming to me with either a tear like that, or a hemorrhoid, which is a vein that swells in the area. Um, and we'll talk about hemorrhoids, I'm sure. Um, but sometimes the hemorrhoid leaves a little bit of extra skin, which is what's called a skin tag, similar to the way that a fissure or a tear heals. It heals with a little bit of extra skin. And those extra skin components can not only cause functional issues, meaning with friction of sex, they get pulled in and get pulled out where you can cause irritation, you can cause tearing, all of that. But also aesthetically, it bothers people, obviously, from whether someone is licking, playing, fully penetrating, whatever it is, people become self-conscious. Um, and or someone says something, is that an anal wart? No, it's a skin tag. And then it starts to bother people. And then psychologically, it really starts to fuck with people where we say, okay, how do we look at form and function of the ass? And then how do we look at the aesthetics component of it? 
And all three of those we put together to kind of create, uh, you know, that bespoke plan for people because not everyone's ass is the same, right? Everyone's ass is different. Um, and that then lends us to go back to that sexual history. Where do you want this ass to go? What are you interested in doing? Uh, what sizes are you trying to get up to? What positions do you love more? Just so that I know of certain ways. You know, I try to simplify it as much as possible, but there's so many factors in anal sex from how people are douching before, what lubes they're using, what positions they get into, what dick or toys or what are they doing? All of that starts to kind of play into how we approach everyone's anal activity. Mm-hmm. So like a customized kind of plan based on what you want to do with your ass. Yeah, because every position creates different pressures. And that in and of itself, it's all a pressure game. So think about the muscle that's there, the skin that's there, when you're shitting or doing Peloton or lifting weights or having sex, they're all the same. It's all creating pressure in the region. And if the pressure exceeds a certain point, you're going to have complications, either hemorrhoids, fissures, there's other things we'll talk about, which are these glands getting irritated. So all of that can play into just daily life, and then clearly anal sex. And the goal for me is by educating is to say, okay, well, how do we start to decrease those pressures? One is making sure that you're douching correctly and or if not, don't at all. Two is when you're doing lubricants, really make sure that you're doing kind of pre-dilation where you're working with dilators before or during sex as foreplay with a lot of lube and good dilators to kind of open the space and get lube 360 degrees. All these things start to play. Don't start out with someone behind you. If someone is behind you in doggy style, I mean, everyone loves those positioning, but if someone is behind you, that's an, uh, an, an activity that allows for more pressure in the area, you can then get injured. So the reality for me is always starting on top. Make sure that you're facing your partner so you guys can see and do a little bit more body language. Get into a good space. You don't need to always be submissive as a bottom. You can always first start out in control. And once you feel like you're in a great space, get yourself into a good groove back to where you want to be. And so that is where the art of bottoming becomes a real thing because it's, it takes work and you have to learn how to be good at what you're trying to accomplish. Yes. Yes. I think there's this perception that bottoming is just passive. It's just receiving that um, somehow you're, you're actually not being a good bottom. If, if you're taking control that maybe you're topping from the bottom and I'm a giver and receiver. And especially when I'm a giver, I need to be able to see my receiver's face. And if I'm not getting feedback or if they're scrunching up their face while they're right. saying, it's okay. Yeah. Keep going. You know, then like, 
that's not that's not good for me as a top. And <laughs> so I, I like this permission that you're giving to people to to take a more active role in what's comfortable, what works for your body, what's your butt in the mood for today, maybe what it liked on Saturday, it doesn't like on Tuesday. And if people are struggling with with chronic um, things like like hemorrhoids or, or fissures, can they still have penetrative anal sex or what do they need to keep in mind? So I think let, let's first talk about hemorrhoids because that's a very sure, common yeah. question that people ask. So I'm a huge toy proponent. And the reason why I like toys is because you're able to kind of be in control yourself and you're able to see whether or not those hemorrhoids become a true issue. Now, mm. if someone is having sex and two to three times a year, those hemorrhoids are swelling and causing issues, pain, bleeding, or whatnot. Most people need some surgical approach to help that because the reality is, again, you shouldn't be having sex that's painful um, unless you're consenting and wanting that. And two is you shouldn't be bleeding and or irritated with anal sex. If you're having any of those, then the reality is we need to kind of step back look at certain techniques that we're talking about so that we're able to get people into a good space. But with hemorrhoids specifically, look, hemorrhoids are there. A lot of people like having the hemorrhoids there in terms of like the rose budding and kind of this blooming out um, of, you know, extra veins and that kind of pinkish component. With that being said, many times when you're using toys or playing, they can get swollen and irritated and cause problems. And so by using a toy on your own, you could be like, oh, you know what? I've gotten up to a good size toy. Uh, they're not bothered. I feel really great and I'm fine sexually. Great. Then go on to sex and kind of make sure that you're in a good space. If using a toy creates irritation, bleeding, pain, discomfort, then clearly we need to you know, do something for an evaluation to figure out What's the cause, the culprit, and do I need to do something surgically? Now, a lot of people douche and clean out before. Now, the douching itself can cause hemorrhoids. And again, so you have to be really careful. We started a company called Future Method. This company is all about positive practices for sex. One is obviously educating, but two is products to support it. And one of the first products we launched with was an appropriate anal douche solution. When you look at water and you look at enemas, they cause so much irritation internally where you change the microbiome, it increases your risk of anal injury, it increases your risk of STDs and HIV. So the goal for me was, okay, well, if you don't need to douche, don't. Use high fiber diet, Make sure you're eating correctly, exercising, and just prove to yourself that most of the time you're actually going to be clean, meaning yeah. use a toy before sex or when you're kind of doing your all makeup and getting ready to go out, etc. Show yourself that you're clean and appropriate. If you're not and you want to douche, which many still do, then use a solution that is not going to be toxic. And the goal is pH balanced, what's called isoosmolar, which is it's in the right space where it doesn't irritate the cell, it just cleans the inside. And we made our bulb specifically very small. Why? Because everybody over douches. 
And when you overdouche, you cause more problems like hemorrhoids, fissures, irritation. So that is where it becomes important to really understand your anatomy. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you're bringing this to the world. <laughs> a douche that, that isn't going to irritate the anus. Because I've heard you say this on podcasts, you know, people are over douching and it's causing irritation. And I think, you know, every single question that, that we, we get is about poop and how can I prepare and how can there be no poop? And my, you know, my partner shat on my dick or shat on my dildo. And like, now what do I do? Do they hate me? Are we going to fall out of love? And, you know, it's, so it's really reassuring to hear that, you know, it's not necessarily necessary that, that you can do things to get accustomed to what or prove to yourself. I love that line, like prove to yourself that, that you are having clean experiences without having to try and give yourself a colonic before you go on a butt date, you know? And I think that that just goes back to understanding anatomy. So if you think of shit, and this is all for the listeners, uh, shit itself is much higher. If you think of where cock and toys are really going, it's basically a conduit, meaning when you feel the urge to go to the bathroom, the poop moves down, you feel the urge, and then you go. But the space where we're having sex doesn't hold stool there. When you have shit in that space, you go to the bathroom. So the reality is, is that most people indeed will be clean. Now, I see it over and over where people are over douching. They're using shower hoses. They're using these big bulbs. And what happens is the first rinse, they're like, oh, I'm pretty clean. And they're like, oh, let me do it a couple more times. And then like the third rinse, they're like, oh my God, there's poop there. Like, yeah, because you went up all the way higher than where you actually needed to be. And so with that being said, I said, when we were working with Future Method, let's make the bulbs appropriate size to clean where we're having sex. Now, the disclaimer is, this is not for crazy big toys or fists or whatnot. Those, yes, we need to do a little bit more of a deeper clean, and we can kind of go over that um, if we need to. But I think the majority of people are just engaging anally in a certain space, and that space with making sure that you think of anal health now as more whole body health, kind of gut health. How do I make sure that I'm using fibers, uh, making sure that I'm eating diet appropriately, um, and just getting yourself into a good rhythm where now you're able to, and also like, look, if, if I'm having, you know, Chipotle tonight, I, I'm not going to be bottoming. You know, it's like there's certain things that like, I know fuck with my body and the same concept with everybody. You know, you just got to be smart with what you're doing. If you know that you eat a certain food and that's going to cause you to be quite dirty and bloated, etc., then just that's then to either tonight's not going to be a bottoming night or don't eat that food and start really understanding your own anatomy. Yeah, getting to know your body. Chipotle for you. For me, it's dairy. I can't have ice cream <laughs> and then have anal. Uh, so <laughs> and, and I definitely have done the thing in my early days of, of douching where I'm pretty sure I disturbed the next bowel movement and basically just gave myself diarrhea. And so then there was no, there was no hope for me that night. <laughs> you know, there was just like, okay, noted. That was too far, too much. And so you mentioned that if people are doing things that are are deeper or longer or or like fisting or maybe longer insertions, um, what kind of preparation would they need to do? Is it is it more intensive? 
Well, I think, again, you it's very specific. I mean, I work with a lot of porn stars and many others that engage for a quite extended period of time. And they are doing more of the shower shot or stuff to kind of make sure that you're really, really cleaning deep. Um, I work with them to use the future method as kind of their last douching routine. So they'll do their normal colonic stuff. And then they'll use this because we have kind of anti-inflammatories in there. There's some soothing components, uh, a gentle cleanser and certain things to help aid. So if we're creating irritation in the area, how do we kind of minimize that moving forward? And what, when you look at irritation, you have to think of irritation as the change in microbiome, meaning there are good bacteria and bad bacteria, but when they're together, they're in homeostasis. The equilibrium that is there is appropriate for our normal daily activities. When you use an inappropriate douching routine, when you use shower shots, when we use certain lubricants that are most of them, which are what's called hyperosmolar, which are out of the range from being in an appropriate zone, all of these things change that microbiome. And when you change the microbiome, now you are lending yourself to higher incidences of STDs, HIV, and anal injury. And so we first started with Future Method with an appropriate anal douche solution. We then said, okay, let's replace the microbiome. So we just launched with the first ever specifically anal pre and probiotic that replenishes the flora that we need it down in the rectum. When you look at all the pre and probiotics that are out there right now, they're basically working towards the proximal gut, the stomach, the small intestine, it's very hard for it to get all the way down to where we need it to be. And that was where we worked with scientists and labs and tried to say, hey, well, with, this is exactly where we need it to be because this is the community that we all serve. How do we come up with an appropriate delivery system? And that is what, what we launched with. And, and, and it brings me great pride to start saying, well, we now know certain issues that happen in certain communities, specifically the anal community. How do we not stigmatize that? How do we not just poo-poo it, literally? How do we target our practices to better it in a way that just makes it long-term better for people, but just smarter, and then allows for everybody to enjoy the anal that they always wanted to without any potential negative ramifications? That's amazing. I think I think that's such a such a thoughtful way to improve the health of, of this community of people who are engaging in it. And I think this, the question that when people come to us about poop or hygiene, they are asking about, about their care. I mean, they're, they're partly asking about shame. They're partly asking about mess, but they're, they're asking about how do I do this in a way that I feel comfortable? Have you seen trends in, in the people that come to you or whether it's activities or, or desires or things that um, are emerging from, from people who have anal sex? I think it's a lot of, you know, the younger generation is just calling out for appropriate education to figure out the right ways to engage. I mean, we know that sexual education in high schools and the like are very, very limited, specifically in anal and even more specific in gay sex. So they're mm -hmm. reaching out to obviously porn and a lot of stuff that's out there. I always talk a lot that, you know, unfortunately, we see a lot of people that have 
a tremendous following on social really start to use their platform, you know, to talk about sexual issues, but don't have the scientific rationale behind what they're doing. And it becomes a huge issue because people follow other people. And, if, and the credibility of, of, of someone right now is nothing to do with whether you have an MD or a DO or what schooling you went to. It's how many followers you have. Um, and so that behooves me to start to say, hey, look, if you have all these followers and you want to talk about sex, that's all well and good. But let's like pair it with professionals that can kind of make sure and standardize this delivery so that these younger kids are like, oh, OK, great. And then they're all following the same protocols to get everybody where they need to be. From a sexual perspective, I think people are being more conscious about the correct ways to engage. I think now sexual wellness is really uh, a trending topic. Everybody loves anal and wants to talk about anal. Um, and it helped, has helped our platform clearly by saying, hey, these are the right things to ask. This is the right things to do and how to prepare and how to make sure. And obviously with Future Method, it's all about those positive practices. Um, I also think that, you know, when, again, going back to form, function, and aesthetics, uh, the key component for me was making sure that people are having sex the right way, not bleeding, not in pain, and then obviously the aesthetic side of it all. And the aesthetic side is how do we just make it look pretty? You know, um, how do we make it so that you know you don't have an extra skin tag that's there or something that you don't like? If there's a blemish that's there, uh, if there's some discoloration, which is very, very common and it bothers you and it makes you apprehensive in terms of how you engage, there's certain things that we can do. Uh, obviously, from bleaching um, to kind of microdermablation of specific scars if they're there to local laser treatments, laser hair removal, um, all of these certain things, we specialize specifically in the anal area because nobody else is doing that. And uh, again, it brings us back to the, the taboo subject of all of this. Um, and I think that a lot of it is, and I see it all the time, people come to me and they go to what they think is the best at the best hospital all over the world and blah, blah, blah. And I hear the same thing all the time. And the, the professional there goes, why do you care how it looks? Or, or just don't use it for that. And it's just the most insensitive approach uh, that can be. And people come to me after second, third opinions or surgeries, and they're, they're distraught. You know, when, when you take away the ass from someone that uses it sexually, it becomes detrimental in, in life. And the reality is, is that it doesn't need to be. How do we make it functional? How do you make it sexy? How do we make it to the point of allowing you to engage the way that you want to? And there's no stigma nor judgment to it. I think the key approach is, again, really getting yourself into a good practice that analyzes things, even if you don't think anything is wrong, just once a year, anal checks, anal pap smears, take a look in and out, creating a good dialogue. Well, what if something goes wrong? Who do I reach out to? Well, you want to reach out to someone sooner than later because I can do stuff early on in the office. But if you wait too long, we may need to do a surgical approach. So there's a lot to it. Um, and I think that I try to simplify it but I think the key component is for people to just know that there are 
people like me and or access that if you have a question, if there is issues, that there is knowledge out there that is scientifically rational um, that can allow you to get to where you want to be. Yes. I feel like I'm talking to a little ass angel and you're just like bringing all this ass joy to everybody. Because I, I think the thank you for talking about butthole beautification. I think this is something that people are curious about and they wonder, is it safe? You know, how do I how do I decide what's OK to do? And does butthole beautification only apply to the outside of the anus or are there things that people do internally, too? Yeah. You know, I think. The internal stuff would be more of like hemorrhoids or things that are from inside coming out. If you're prolapsing, which is, again, a piece of tissue coming in and out, it's pink, it bleeds, it gets irritated. Those are the things. I've yet to do true anal beautification or anal tattooing internally. I guess we could. <laughs> we could approach that. That could be a whole new shtick. Um, yeah. But I think it's yeah, I think it's the anal beautification just goes to a couple of things. One is, I think. A lot of people have extra tissue in the area or they lost that pucker uh, that's there. Some are a little bit looser or some are tighter. Um, I do a lot of work with Botox to relax the muscles, to allow people to, one, enjoy and start the process of dilating and get to sex that they want. Two is if some people have newer partners that are a little bit more endowed or are using bigger toys or are trying to get into fisting and they just find that they can't fully open, then dilating, using toys, using Botox, seeing a physical therapist, all of these things can work to achieve people to get to where they want to. If we're still having issues, then yes, I, I do surgery and kind of open people up in a way that gets them to where they want to be. Um, sometimes there's scarring from other surgeries that they've had or those extra tags that just need that beautification where surgically I remove them, stitch it closed, and create kind of that normal pucker in the area. Um, if you say, hey, my ass is totally fine, no extra skin, but it's a little bit darker or I want to get into the bleaching or the laser hair removal, then clearly that is you know, the beautification component to it. Uh, bleaching can be just whether using creams, uh, whether using creams and or chemical peels. Chris, who's uh, our aesthetic nurse practitioner in the office, is amazing and really specialized in this area and is able to kind of tailor. We do free consultations where we get obviously the good look, see what's going on, see if there's blemishes, see what the issue is in terms of discoloration and, and where people want to go. And we want people's expectations to also match with the final results. And everybody's skin is different. Everybody's hair is different. All of that is why we do that consultation, because we want to make sure that we're all aligned, especially in the beautification part, spot of what we can achieve that's there. Okay. Okay. And is, is, is there any truth to if you have anal uh, frequently or with bigger penises or bigger toys or fists, like, are you destined for anal prolapse or, or some of this, this skin that you're talking about that maybe comes outside of the anus? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that's a, a, a true misconception with anal. Uh, we have so much muscle that is there that if you're doing things correctly by using dilators before sex, periodically dilating and stretching and doing all the right things, also contracting. You know, we're, our asses are contracted 
most of the day, right? The only time is when you're having sex or you're shitting. And that's, you know, if you think of the whole day, it's really working towards being quite tight. And specifically, we're sitting now, especially more than ever uh, at home. Uh, most people are doing Pelotons or lifting weights. And all of this is to work that muscle and keeping it tight. So I think in general, people should be dilating and using toys periodically, even if they're not having anal, just because it allows for that muscle some time to fully relax and get into a good state and you, you you create a little bit better control now as it relates more specifically to uh over dilating or over having sex i think that the key component is one we do once a year what's called a manometry in the office which measures the pressures of the ass and steve who's our physical therapist is awesome and we're able to see, and each year we monitor it and say, hey, we were able to get this much pressure and squeeze. This was, we were able to get this much pressure and relaxation. And we're able to see, well, where are you? Now, if someone comes to me and they're like, Evan, I'm having the best sex of my life. I feel fucking awesome. I'm taking whatever I want and I'm not having any problems. Well, I want to know what pressure that is because I always want him to be within that zone. So that they or her, so that they're able to get to where they want sexually. If I see that it's deviating one way or another, is it too tight? Is it too loose? Then we start to work with that. In the beginning, it's physical therapy, it's contracting on butt plugs and dilators. We have certain kind of stimulator machines that work to pull in the muscle and create that, uh, you know, Kegel component uh, much greater than what you and I would be able to do on our own. Um, so I think, look, the prolapsing that I really see are people that love prolapsing and or are into fisting really early on in their world. And I think that the run-of-the-mill anal sex that you and I and everybody are engaging, I, I just don't see it, um, you know. And I think the key is, again, is the educational side of, okay, I took dick or I took a toy three times this week. Well, okay, then two to three times I need to do contracting work. I need to make sure that maybe I put a small butt plug up there and squeeze on the toy and hold it for three seconds, two seconds, one second, take a break. And just like going to the gym, it's no different than biceps, triceps, or doing anything with your back muscles or whatnot. It's the same thing. It's a fucking muscle. And so if you're stretching it, then contract it and work in that to create that optimal zone. So I think that no... Uh, it shouldn't be something that people perseverate over of being too loose, but I do think it should be on someone's mind to say, okay, how do I make sure that I'm douching correctly, I'm using the right lube, I'm using toys before, I'm making sure that I'm using them after for contraction and control mechanisms. All of these certain things really start to kind of create this picture of the appropriate anal health just to create that longevity that we know people want. If you're not a frequent receiver of butt stuff, or maybe you're new to butt stuff, or maybe you've just been out of butt stuff for a while, 
If you'd like to affirm your anal pleasure, do it with anal training. This means that we're honoring where the butt is at, whether it's new, whether it's hungry for bigger things. I really like butt plugs that do more than just increase in size. So we want things that are gonna help us play with sensations of all of this anal pleasure anatomy that we're learning about. So we want things that can relax our muscles and create arousal. Check out the vibrating snug plugs because you're getting a weighted plug that vibrates and is available in five different sizes. So wherever size your booty is at, you have options. I like weighted butt plugs because gravity basically does the work for you. And then on top of this, the vibrating snug plugs give you vibrations that feel amazing against all those nerve endings. So use code LUNA, L-U-N-A, to save 30% off B-Vibe branded products at bvibe.com. Yes, yes, all of that, because I, I think there's so many, um, I feel like a lot of this stuff around you get loose is is just shame that's come from not founded in any science, any anatomy, it's just don't do that thing because it's evil and it's bad and it's taboo, and you might, you know, same thing with your your masturbate and your palm gets hairy, like that kind of, of, of tale uh, to deter people, but Really, I, I, and it does come up a lot. We get this question a lot. We, we chatted with a pelvic floor therapist who had a very similar answer. And um, there, there's so much for people to navigate with all of these, these shames or, or taboos. Are there any other myths that, that you want to bust for us around um, either damage to the anus or I love that you busted the, the poop expectation? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think a couple of things also on the, the looseness issue is it's definitely a thing that I see a lot of people come to me where their partners are not getting off as much, or they just feel like the sensations are less. Um, and you know, the key component is yes, it's skin and it's muscle. And as we age, everyone's skin and muscle starts to become a little bit saggier, a little bit looser. And so the key is to kind of honor it and say, Hey, uh, this is, this is, there are some changes and how do I kind of work towards that? And again, we talk about if you honor it early on, there's so many things that we can do non-invasively to get somebody into a good space. So I think one obviously is, uh, that as it relates to the looseness, that myth, I think two is obviously, uh, you know, look, people use spit a lot for lube. Uh, the reality is that's not the best. We, we, we all know that. Um, I think that, you know, using appropriate lubricants, I think for pure anal sex, silicone lube to me is still the best. I think the problem with water-based stuff is you get into this uh, off, off the spectrum and most of them, even though we know that uh, lubes are, are um, FDA regulated, the reality is, is that most of them do not fall in the zone that is appropriate for anal sex. And with that being said, you get it leads us back to those irritants that we spoke, spoke about. So I think that making sure that silicone lube for pure anal or a water-based lube company that is specifically within a range that calls out appropriate, you know, lubricity and osmolarity that allows for you to have better sex um, is, is awesome. I think realistically, you know, using foreplay as it relates to better dilating, obviously a lot of lubricants, getting yourself into a good space so that you're really understanding beforehand. Um, also, not letting someone right behind you. You know, your assumption should be that whoever is with you doesn't know anything. 
Um, mm. And if you are, you know, that bottom, that is the key. The key is to make sure that you are educated enough. Again, you could be submissive, but still be in control. And, and that mm. I try to empower the bottom. You know, fine. You, you you don't have to be submissive. You could be controlling bottom. But if you deem that, hey, this is the submissive nature that I like, then great. Still be submissive, but kind of guide in a way that allows for minimizing injury, right? And so, like, if someone's coming over, I'm gonna okay, fine. You want to douche? Make sure you're douching with the right solution. You're showering, great. Well, okay, use a toy that's lubricated to get lube 360 degrees around, use a toy to get you into a good space. I love lube shooters. Uh, Lube Mm -hmm. shooters are awesome. There's a syringes that you can put the lube up inside because that's the area where it's still very dry. This is not like a vagina that's self-lubricating. Also, if you're doing DP or uh, toys that are quite bigger or fisting, you really want the lube to be really, really up higher. So all of these things start to create this environment where you get into a good space. And using toys before sex, uh, one, it's really good to get any excess douche out so a lot of people have a lot of like liquid still remaining because they over douche. Using a toy helps to really get that out. It helps to self-lubricate that area on your own. It helps to dilate and get your muscles into a good space so that you're really obviously into a good space. Also, it allows you to see like, is bottoming okay today? Meaning if you're using a small to medium toy and you have some discomfort and pain, then maybe it's not the right day. And I think... The key also is to empower the bottom to say no. Pain is not normal. So like, you know, look, and I always say all the time, if someone comes to me with an ailment, they're like, oh, I have a cut or a tear or fissure or whatever. And I'm like, well, how painful is it? They're like, oh, it's about a six out of 10. I'm like, well, do you continue? Do you like work through it? And I would say 80% of them would be like, yeah, 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 I just work through it and and just go from there. And you start to say, well, wait a second. Like, I get it. I understand there's someone else in the relationship and you need to go there. But the empowerment is to be like, no, this is not going the way that it's supposed to be. Stop. Take a couple of days off. Let it heal. Use some suppositories, which I talk a lot about, uh, some lotions, do the right thing as it relates to that. If it's something that is persisting beyond three to five days, then go see somebody. Let's make sure it's not an STD. Let's make sure it's not a cut that's there that's causing issues or a hemorrhoid or a tag. Let's really make sure that we're kind of creating a safe space so that now you can get to where you want to. And, and I think that that just is you know, why I love doing podcasts and speaking to people like you is that you know we're all on the same wavelength of like, Let's just empower the individual with the knowledge that they need. And through that, hopefully, one, you never have to step foot in my office. But if you do, knowing that you're in a place that supports everything that you're trying to uh, achieve. Absolutely. Such great information and tips, especially for tops, to to give your bottom permission to do these things, to encourage them to give feedback, to everybody should be honoring the butthole. The butthole's not in the mood. Nobody's in the mood. And and is there anything that bottoms can do for for aftercare? Is there is there bottoming aftercare? Sure. So one thing I think I should say about dispelling the myths is people love wet wipes. 
Oh, well. People and and sexual wellness companies keep throwing out wet wipes and wet wipes because they're so branded in a way that people feel like I'm cleaner. But I will tell you, you got to get rid of the wet wipes. One is when you're just using them for shitting, uh, it causes actually more irritation anally than what you think. And you think it's soothing you. But I see so many people come to me with anal warts from HPV because everyone has HPV for the most part, but using the wet wipes can actually cause irritation that then causes the HPV to develop into warts. Same thing with HSV. A lot of us are oral anal, so we do a lot of licking and playing, right? With that being said, HSV, the herpes virus, can be reactivated by using wipes. And it's the same thing we spoke of with the microbiome. The good and the bad bacteria are together in a good space. When you use wet wipes, whether it's the moisture that's there, whether it's the solution that it is, whether it's the cloth that it's on, all of those things factor into the change in microbiome, which can cause fungal infections, bacterial infections, and what we just mentioned. So I think that, that that's another myth to think of is just get rid of those fucking things. I think bidets are really awesome. We work closely with a company called Tushy. They're super great, super- I love my Tushy. Yeah, super cheap and easy and allows for everything to be cleaned in the right way. So that I think is, is, is awesome. Uh, and again, using the microbiome, we speak of kind of repopulating that with the future method, um, you know, pre and probiotic is awesome. We also came out with two things that I super love. And it was just because I found that if someone's using silicone lube, uh, it's really hard to get off as it relates to the lube and whether there's cum or mucus or whatnot. So we came up with the aftercare of using an anal exfoliant. And the anal exfoliant through future method is awesome. It's two factors that allow for appropriate hygiene. One is there's a particle there that's a little bit bigger that allows for all of that lube and everything to come off. And then also a second granular component that really starts to nourish, rehydrate, and just create a healthy space anally. There's so much friction with sex whether it's condoms, without condoms, whether it's lube, without lube, positions, all of that stuff creates friction. And those frictions create these micro tears. When you have those tears, we want to make sure that the environment is appropriate and treated nicely. No wet wipes, use an anal exfoliant that allows for replenishment and nourishment. And then we came up with the anal butt and body soothing cream, which is really mm -hmm. awesome. It's like a first aid to the area. So after sex, now I use it all the time before sex too, because it has an awesome scent to it. Um, it keeps yeah. the, you know, keeps it exactly where you want it to be. And all that stuff could be ingestible. So you don't have to worry if you're doing kind of anal play, whatnot, all that is there. But the aftercare is really great because it allows for that replenishment and rehydration, but you don't want too much hydration. So when you see a lot of uh, the moisturizers that are out there, it leaves too much moisture anally. And we already produce a lot of moisture every day from sitting and sweating and pooping and all that stuff. So the key component is how do we do the right thing? I think nighttime showering is the best for everybody. Think about just where we are all day, especially if I'm in the city of New York and you're shitting and you're sweating and you're just getting right into your bed. So I would suggest people nighttime shower, 
anal exfoliants are great back there just to kind of get into a good space. And then obviously creating appropriate uh, moisturizers that allow for quick on, quick off, and then be very aerated at night. Just remember, if you're under ridiculous amounts of covers, you really are going to produce sweat, especially anally. So allow things to be free-flowing, uh, aerated to everything, especially in the summer months, just because clearly uh, you know, you sweat even more so with the humidity and whatnot, depending upon where you live. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are great tips. Oh my gosh, I didn't know there was all this stuff. I need to go shopping for my butt. Like, like it's basically like the body shop, but for my butt, you know, all these that's like, it, that's it. And lotions. We, I love this. Yeah, and you know, we, we're coming out with a lot of really great stuff. Every product that we put out with Future Method has a purpose. And, you know, I always say all the time, you know, when you look at uh, sexual wellness brands, The key is, you know, is to move the needle. Nothing has changed since condoms. First of all, 75 to 80 percent of people don't use condoms. So what's the next step in our approach to sexual wellness? And it's not just spitting out the same lubes. It's not just white labeling and putting out new branding. It's not. It's not that. It's actually impacting and making change to diminish issues in people's lives. And that is one, an appropriate anal douche solution if you're doing it that's not toxic. How do we now look at the pre and the aftercare, making sure that people are using the right lubricants, using the right toys with the right uh, materials because there's so many materials and toys that can cause problems. Um, all of these things to now start to really look and say, well, wait a second, I keep getting STDs. Why do I keep getting STDs? analyze your sexual practices. We do a lot with prophylactic antibiotics. How do we, if you know that you love licking ass and you get uh, you know, parasites all the time, well, you can take one to two pills and it minimize that so that you don't have that. I don't want you to change what you love doing. I want you to think differently so that you can do what you do, but do it safer. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It totally does. That's so accepting. It's so facilitating of people determining their own experiences, their own pleasure, but in a way that is supportive. I love that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Um, I I also think it it's so great that there you are moving the needle. You know, you've you've seen so much, you you have so much knowledge, and you're like, okay, how can I help people do this by improving this aspect of what people are already doing? Um, and I, I think that that's so amazing for the younger generation. It's amazing for people who've been having anal for a really long time and have just started to accept that, oh, it's painful, or I get skin tags, or I do this, or, and they don't have to anymore. They don't have to, to kind of suffer in, in silence or not have the kind of pleasure that they want because of, of work like yours, which is amazing. And I, I want to, <laughs> I always want to invite, especially people that are so wise, like yourself, to tell me a, a booty blooper. And your booty blooper can be something that's happened to you or something that's happened to during sex or, or it can be whatever, a funny bo- booty story. Mine was when I was walking with a butt plug and I was going to a sex party and I was wearing crotchless pantyhose and it fell out in the street. And I was in the neighborhood in Toronto. So I was like, this can't be the first time this has happened here. So I just left it and kept walking, <laughs> but it lives there now. It's somebody's, somebody must've picked it up. So anything that you'd like to share that's sort of funny. 
I, I get stories all the time and uh, I, <laughs> I, I blog a lot of the stories uh, because some of them are just um, are just way too much. Uh, but <laughs> one one nothing crazy more with me. Uh, I would say one uh, funny story of, of a client of mine was um, we were. I did surgery on him and we were on the dilating phase. So after surgery, about six to eight weeks after surgery, we want to make sure that you're using toys and dilating and stretching because scar tissue develops and you want to get it to be in the right space. And he was using the toys and doing really well. And, and, uh, he got hit up on Grinder or Scruff or one of the apps um, and like just started to like, oh my God, I, I need this. I want this. I will do this. And anyhow, he went to a gym uh, to work out. Um, and when he was done, he was in the shower and he was cleaning himself and he was like, oh my God, the guy wants me to come over right now. Shit, I need to dilate. Goldstein says to dilate. So he brought his, his butt plugs into the shower and started dilating himself, private shower, but in a public gym. And he wrapped the butt plug into a towel and he took his towel and he left and he put all of the towels into the bin, forgetting that he had his $200, like beautiful dilator butt plug in there. So he goes and has like amazing sex. Uh, and he then's like, well, shit, it was $200. I'm going to go back. I need to go back and get it. So he goes to the gym and finds like someone that is part of his community and goes over and says, listen, I got to tell you this crazy, funny story, but this is what happened. I left my butt plug here and I really need this back because it's so expensive and I love it. So the guy, the guy was like very sympathetic and he's like, let me go see if I can go to the lost and found. So he goes to the lost and found and there is the fucking butt plug. So, but on the on the plug is a tag, and it says, "Whoever is asking for this, please get the manager." So, oh no! So, 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 it, all of a sudden, it starts to escalate. You can imagine, and finally, my client is like, "Okay, fuck this, I'm leaving because, like, I don't want to get kicked out or whatever it is." Anyhow, the manager goes to this kid that worked there and says to him, you got to show me who this kid is. But he's like, oh, you know, people that all look the same. Some people change. I, I can't. He's like, and he went up to, and he goes, the guy went to the videotape and saw who he was talking to. Anyhow, my client got kicked out of the gym lifetime. So <gasps> I was like, this is bullshit. I said, this is bullshit. So I call, I write a letter and I'm like, listen, I instructed him to use these toys, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, this is that. And I said, and it goes to show you, like, if you're even in a public space, if you're in your own shower, is that considered a private space? It, it's a very interesting ethical dilemma. But needless to say, fuck that gym. They reinstated his policy. He was able to go back and gave him back his goddamn butt plug. So he was so happy. But it was such an interesting story. And after that, he wound up, uh, having the greatest sex of his life. So he was like, you know, even if I lost the butt plug, it's fine. That is a great story. Because my favorite part is that you were like, oh no, this is not happening. I'm going to call and talk to the manager. 
like you're like a butt plug hero. <laughs> and I we we wrote a letter. We had to write a letter saying that it was medically indicated for him to be using his freaking butt plug in the shower. Oh my god, it was pretty. Impressive. You know that manager was just jealous. <laughs> like, come on. But I have lots of stories. You should check out on Medium.com about pool balls and Ooh, crazy okay. shit. That's a crazy story too. Oh my gosh, it's going to be my bedtime reading. (laughs) This is so good. Oh, that was so great. I'm sweating. (laughs) Because because I think about, I've left vibrators in hotels or like places and and just not gone back to get them. But if I left a $200, I I don't know, maybe I'd want to go back. But if something like that happened, I don't know if my doctor would call for me. (laughs) I I know. Oh my God. It was, it was, it was, it was so interesting. And he, and his perspective was like, holy shit, I can't believe I left that in the towel. And it was like, like you can imagine the, 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 it was like probably going around in the, uh, in the dryer, flipping around, you know? (laughs) And someone had to be like, what is that? What is this thing? It's crazy. And I can't believe they put it in the lost and found. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Because they wanted to catch the guy. Like he was doing a criminal act. It's ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. What a what a lovely note to, to end our conversation on. Oh, I love that. Are there is there anything that is, I mean, we're going to put everything that, that you mentioned. We're going to link to it in the show notes. Is there anything that, that's coming up or that you want to direct people to? We'll put in the notes where people can find you. Yeah, sure. So obviously Instagram, all social channels, uh, bespoke surgical for the private practice, uh, future method is the future method on Instagram. Um, and then all the other social channels. I have, uh, Dr. Evan Goldstein, Dr. Evan Goldstein is my Instagram, uh, tag. And that's kind of anal kids and Andy, my partner. And so it's just kind of a hodgepodge of shit, literally. Um, and, uh, <laughs> And, and yeah, and I think, you know, again, the key component is obviously people have questions, please DM us, uh, ask away, you can always email, um, anything that's easy, you know, we get worldwide, you know, interactions all the time, just to make sure that people have access to the care that uh, we feel is so important. And, you know, a lot of information is on Bespoke Surgical's website, also uh, Future Method, check it out. Uh, the key component for me uh, is to create products that are specific to the space, but also have the education and kind of push the needle so that we can minimize stigma, but also decrease HIV risk, decrease STD components, and just make sure that you're healthy and anal forever, right? I mean, that's the key for all of us. Anal forever. That's it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Dr. Goldstein. This episode was so rich. It was just so delicious. And what you're bringing to the world and for people's bodies and for their sex lives and for their happiness is just so inspiring. Thank you. Oh no, thank you so much, Luna. I appreciate you having us on here. Yeah, thank you so much. It's so inspiring to speak with healthcare providers who consider pleasure and sexual satisfaction a part of our overall health. So imagine the different kinds of conversations you'd have with your providers knowing they were pleasure informed and inclusive. What a warm and lovely human Dr. Goldstein is. And so be sure to check out the show notes to find all the places where you can learn about his work. The blog is amazing. The Instagram for Future Method and Bespoke Surgical are also great. And what other butthole 
medical care and beauty questions do you have? If you're curious about us going deeper into any of the topics we talked about, or you have a story to share about your own butthole beautification or care, let us know over on Instagram at the plug by B vibe, where you can send us a DM, or you'll also find the link to our anonymous voice message system at speakpipe.com slash the plug podcast. We love hearing your voice messages. I get to listen to all of them and I try to reply to most of them and we may include them in an upcoming episode. So reach out anytime. Until next time, friends, stay bootyful.